0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Home, a Loan podcast, where we talk everything related to home buying and mortgages. I'm your host, Matt Gare, NMLS 1549221, Equal Housing Lender. Today, we're talking about down payments. More specifically, this one's going to be geared towards your first-time home buyers. Repeat buyers are going to be a little bit different, so we'll cover that another time. But today, it's all about the rookies and their down payment. Before we dive in, I do want to remind everybody... If you have follow-up questions, if you have topics that you want us to cover, or if there is advice that you're needing specific to your situation, please do reach out. We really want to hear from you. We're here to help at any stage of your journey towards homeownership, and you're going to find all of my contact information listed down in the episode description. Lastly, if you like what we're doing, please do consider leaving a positive review. It's the single biggest thing that you can do to support this podcast growing into bigger and better things. All right, diving right in. Down payment, it does seem to be the biggest hurdle for first-time home buyers. I'm I'm not going to sit here and pretend that interest rates or home prices are easy on people right now. We're recording in April of 2023, but down payment is holding first-time home buyers back more than anything else. And some of that struggle is a very real thing. Look, it's just not it's not easy to save up $100,000 or 50 or 25, whatever your number is. Just know that. Like If you're struggling to save up a meaningful amount, you are so far from alone. That being said, if you're trying to buy a home, if that's your goal, finding a way to save money is hugely important. Some of the struggle with down payment, however, it's based in misconception as well. A lot of people think that they need more cash down than they actually do, but fortunately we can fix that part today. We can solve the misconception right here, right now. And we will also spend a little bit of time touching on tools or resources that are out there to help you with the actual difficult part of just saving money. Okay, so let's start with how much, how much down payment do you need? How much do you need to put down in order to buy a house? Well, for starters, you don't need 20%. That's right, you do not need 20% down and it surprises me how many people still, still think that's the case. Um, and it's just not. The amount that you need to put down is ultimately going to depend on your loan program and it's going to depend on whether or not you're a first-time home buyer. So for reference, a first-time home buyer is defined, at least in the mortgage industry, as someone that has not owned a home in the past three years. (laughs) So maybe we should call it something different. I don't know, like hasn't recently owned a home. It just doesn't flow off the tongue as well. But if you have not owned a home in the past three years, congrats, you're a first-time home buyer. Now, when you are getting a mortgage, There's really, there's four options out there. There's a lot that you can do within the four different loan types, but there are, at the end of the day, four different types of mortgage you can get. There's a conventional loan, there's an FHA loan, there is a VA loan, and there is a USDA loan. USDA is really commonly referred to as RD or Rural Development. Um, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on USDA loans. It's a really cool program in theory. It does allow 0% down it just doesn't work. It's not a functional loan program right now. And the problem is, is that they have really restrictive income limits and they also have really strict requirements about debt ratio. And so when you combine those two things with current interest rate and current home prices, it just makes USDA loans borderline impossible to use. Um, If you make enough money to buy a house, you make too much money to qualify for a a USDA loan. If you make a low enough amount of money to qualify for a USDA loan, you don't make enough money to afford a house. That's functionally what's happening here. And that's reflected actually pretty strongly in the data. Um, In 2022, the most recent full calendar year, USDA loans accounted for only 0.11% of all mortgages done in the United States. That's right. One-tenth of 1% of mortgages were USDA. It's just not a program that's being used, unfortunately. So um, they need to take a look at that program and do some, some fixing there. Moving on to VA, this is your other 0% down loan program. And unlike USDA, it's an awesome, awesome loan program. It is only available to qualified veterans, or in some cases, a surviving spouse. But if you are eligible, VA loans are a great way to get into a home with 0% down. You also don't have to pay mortgage insurance, which is awesome. That is unique to VA. Zero down, no mortgage insurance. Do keep in mind that you're going to have some closing costs. So 0% down does not mean zero cash out of pocket. You probably have to come up with a couple thousand dollars. There's some tools to address that, so it can be done in some cases with zero cash out of pocket. But just don't don't plan on it. Do try to tuck away, you know, four, five, six thousand dollars at least if you can. Okay, uh, moving on from there, we've got FHA loans, and these are really commonly viewed as the go-to for first-time home buyers. It's like, yeah, you're a first-time home buyer, you got to go get a US or pardon me, an FHA loan especially if you want to put less cash down. And that's just not accurate. That is not always the case. It can be, but ultimately it's situational. FHA loans are a really good fit for some people and they're a really bad fit for other people. Their minimum down payment, three and a half percent. So 3.5%, which really isn't too bad. Also, if you need to get down payment assistance, if you're looking for help with either your down payment or closing costs, whether that's a second loan, uh, a grant, things like that, there's a really good chance it's going to be partnered with an FHA loan. Down payment assistance, which we often refer to as DPA. You might hear me say DPA. And if I do, I'm talking about um, help with down payment. It goes hand in hand with FHA. Those things are often tied together. Okay, conventional loans. Yeah, by far the most common loan type. This is what the vast majority of home buyers are utilizing. Now, if you're a first-time homebuyer, again, you have not owned a home in the last three years, your minimum down payment on a conventional loan is only 3%. That's right. It's actually less than FHA, which almost no one seems to be aware of. Repeat buyers are subject to a minimum 5% down, but for your first timers, it's just 3%. Not only that, but the closing costs on conventional loans tend to be a little bit lower than FHA. So when you combine the slightly smaller down payment, slightly lower other costs they're often a much better option for someone who's who's stretching their savings account really thin in order to get into a house. So let's recap that. USDA, 0% down, but it's tough to use. VA, 0% down, and it's awesome if you're eligible. FHA, 3.5% minimum down payment. Probably need to get an FHA loan if you need down payment assistance. And lastly, conventional loans with 3% being the minimum down payment for first-time home buyers. Okay. There are, of course, some exceptions to the rules. Investment properties, second homes, and multifamily properties. That's duplex, triplex, fourplex. All of these three things are going to require more down payment regardless of whether or not you're a first-time homebuyer. One fun little hack that we see people using is FHA loans for multifamily. That's kind of the exception. If you're buying something like a triplex and you plan to live in one of the units and rent out the other two, you can use an FHA loan, and you still need only three and a half percent down. So that can be a really good way for people to to get into their first investment property. You get the FHA loan, you do the three and a half percent down, you live in one of the units for you know a year or two, and then you move out. and Congrats, you own a triplex with very little cash out of pocket up front. Um, outside of that, condos they don't they don't require more cash down, but just know that if you're using a conventional loan buying a condo and you're putting down less than 10%, we are going to scrutinize that HOA intensely. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. I mean, mean, you want to know if the HOA financials are in good shape if you're buying a condominium, Uh, but just know that without 10% down, there's a greater degree of scrutiny there. So keep that in mind. Okay. So those are your minimum down payment requirements. Where do down payments come from? Like what are people using to cover their down payment? What can you use? What cannot be used for down payment? Um, A quick summary of the eligible sources and then we'll share some details on each of these. Checking and savings, your own money. Yeah, you can use that. Gift funds are eligible. It's got to come from certain sources. Investment accounts are great. Secured loans, loans with collateral can work. Employer assistance is eligible. Uh, Trust fund money, that works. Seller credits, not for down payment, but yes, for closing costs. Down payment assistance, that DPA, we talked about that. Um, selling assets that you own, that works. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of different places you can go to to get your down payment. And let's cover that in a little more detail. Your checking and savings accounts. This is really simple. If you have money in a bank account that's yours, you can use it. You can use it for your down payment. You can use it for your closing costs, whatever you want to do. Great. The only real note that I have there is we're going to look at large deposits. So if you send me a bank statement, any deposit that exceeds 50% of your monthly income has to be paper trailed. If you make $10,000 a month and there's a deposit for $6,000, I have to prove where it came from. Payroll is an exception. We're not going to make you prove (laughs) where your payroll came from. But if you just dropped $40,000 cash into your your savings account, yeah, we got to know where that came from. We have to prove the source of that money. Okay, gift funds. You can have money gifted to you for down payment and closing costs, but it has to come from an eligible source, which in this case is a family member or a fiance. It cannot come from an unrelated friend. Your, your buddy Joe or Sally, they they can't just give you $20,000 for down payment, unfortunately. It's not considered eligible by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, if they really want to help you out, I, I, I guess they could co-sign, but boy, you should be having a pretty serious conversation before co-signing loans with your friends. It's a huge commitment uh, akin to getting married, in my opinion. Investments, your 401k, your mutual funds, the cash value of your life insurance policy, all that kind of stuff. As long as it's yours, it is eligible for down payment. It is eligible for closing costs. A couple things to keep in mind here, though. If you're taking money out of these types of accounts... You may be subject to early withdrawal penalties, depending on your age, or you may be subject to capital gains tax or other forms of tax. So if you're looking at taking money out of an investment account, a non-cash account, you should really consult with your financial advisor before you do so. Keep in mind, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not licensed or insured or certified in that space. So that's something that we'll look to do on a later episode is bring a financial advisor on and get really good input on what that looks like, maybe a little more specifically. Um, Do know that there are also some exceptions that will allow you to access the money in these types of accounts without those taxes or penalties. Uh, Oftentimes there are, you know, early withdrawal exceptions specifically for the purpose of buying your first house. Um, I have seen people do things like taking loans against their investment accounts rather than actually taking the money out. And for some of my clients, that's been a way that they've been able to do things like avoiding capital gains. And in exchange, they pay a little interest on the loan. If you're taking loans that are secured by cash, it's, it's kind of a cool thing in that we don't count the monthly payment against you. So that cash-secured loan doesn't reduce the amount you qualify for by tacking a new debt onto your debt ratio. Speaking of secured loans, uh, yeah, they're an eligible source of down payment. You can borrow money for your down payment, but the loan has got to have actual collateral. I think a common example of this would be a car or a truck. If you own your vehicle free and clear, great, go take a loan out against it. You can use that for your down payment. That's acceptable. You can also use maybe a little bit more unique or weird stuff as collateral. Like, I don't know, like a wedding ring or a hunting rifle, some some swanky art. If you've got some nice art, maybe that could be collateral for a loan. I don't know. I have seen the wedding ring um, actually used as collateral for a loan. And as long as there's collateral, it's eligible. So yeah, there's some tools out there. Do keep in mind that when you are taking out loans that are secured by non-cash collateral, car loan, wedding ring, that stuff... The monthly payment on that loan does count as a debt. We do have to look at that as a lender. So depending on your income, it may reduce the total amount of mortgage that you qualify for. Don't go taking out loans without talking to your loan officer. And holy smokes, do not take a loan out halfway through the process of buying a house. We do a soft pull of your credit right before closing. Um, I have absolutely had someone go go buy a $70,000 truck and then not qualify for the house that they were... you know, three weeks into the process of buying. Don't do that. Employer assistance, moving on. Employer assistance is eligible. And you really got to go look at your benefit package. You'd be surprised how many employers offer to help out with stuff like down payment or more often closing costs. Um, And if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. That's free money if it's there. Don't let it go away. Employers are the one exception to that secured loan rule. You can get an unsecured loan from your employer for the purpose of a down payment. Um, For people with uh, trust funds, congratulations. It's eligible. uh, But you're going to have to move it into your personal account or directly into escrow before closing. And when I say directly into escrow, typically that's going to be the title company. However, some states use attorneys to handle escrow. It's like a neutral third party that moves money between everyone involved in the home buying and selling process. So there's the bank, there's the buyer, there's the seller, All of these people have money moving between them. And the title company or the escrow company is going to handle that. You can send money from the trust account directly to the escrow company rather than to your bank account, if that's your preference. But it's got to come out of the trust and it's got to become yours before closing. And we're going to have to show that on paper. Seller credits. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You can get money from the seller to help you buy a house. It cannot cover your down payment. It can cover your closing costs. So, you know, the bank's fees, the title company fees, the cost of the appraisal, your home insurance, property taxes, any of that stuff, the seller can give you a credit to pay for those things. They cannot cover your down payment though. Um, Same thing goes. It's, it's unusual, but like theoretically your realtor could forfeit a portion of the commission they get at closing to help cover your closing costs in a pinch. Um, That's eligible. But again, It cannot go towards down payment. We call these interested party contributions. So it's anyone that's involved in the transaction is an interested party. (coughs) DPA. Yeah, that down payment assistance. It's out there. It exists. There are loans. There are grants. And there are a variety of different forms of assistance that will help you with either down payment, closing costs, or both. I, I I can't give you a simple explanation of how that works because it's so extremely situational as much as anything in the mortgage world. It's also location-based. A lot or a majority of the down payment assistance programs are provided by state-level agencies or are only available in certain areas. So what you're going to get for down payment assistance in the state of Montana is going to be different than what you're getting in Idaho, Washington, Oregon, you know, over on the East Coast. It's all different depending on where you are and the requirements, the eligibility, it, it, it all varies. So if you need down payment assistance or if you really want down payment assistance. Your best resource is going to be to start by talking to an experienced loan officer who who's done a variety of down payment assistance loans. That tends to be the best resource. Um, and oftentimes we'll actually facilitate that on your behalf. You don't have to do the work of going to get that down payment assistance. We do it for you. Now if you want some other resources, nonprofit housing agencies are kind of your best bet outside of a loan officer. Um, And those are also kind of locally based. You know, here in Missoula, Montana, where I personally live, there's an organization called Homeward, and they are awesome and fantastic. They do first-time homebuyer education, and they can also tell you a lot about which homebuyer assistance programs are available and might fit your profile. So you can also consider reaching out to them. Now, if you're, again, using down payment assistance, the level of experience of your loan officer is so super important on that. Um, I know a lot of younger or newer mortgage loan officers that are extremely talented, um, but when it comes to down payment exis- assistance, experience matters. Hands down, no questions asked. So if your specific loan officer is, is newer to that, the question that you need to be asking is, what's the level of experience of your team or your coworkers um, or your back-end staff? Um, if someone's new to it, they better have somebody in their office who knows how it works that they can lean on a little bit through those first couple transactions. Sale of assets. Yeah, you can sell sell stuff and you can use the money from selling it for your down payment. Do keep in mind that depending on the timing of that sale, we're going to have to again show what was sold and where the money came from. So keep a bill of sale, keep receipts, make sure you've got it all documented on paper so that we can show that to a lender, show it to an underwriter. Um, We might also have to prove in some cases that the asset that was sold was actually owned by you. You sold that car, I might have to prove that it was yours. Okay, so those are your primary sources. This tends to be where people are getting down payments. Um, I guess I do want to circle back and touch on the gift funds a little bit. It's really, really common for first-time home buyers right now to be getting assistance in some kind or some amount. So, you know, if you're if you're looking to buy a house. I, It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out to your family. You might be surprised at the uh, ability and willingness of people to help you get into a home. And honestly, an extra $5,000 even can go a really, really long way. So don't be afraid to ask. You're not alone. I know I sure did it when we bought our first home. There are also some places that you cannot get down payment. So we kind of touched on gift funds having to come from a family member and that your random friends can't give you down payment money. That bums me out. I don't know how many people have friends that they're that close with, but if you do, I kind of wish that was a source, but it's not, unfortunately. You do have to be related to the person that's gifting you money. Again, unsecured loans, not going to work. If there's no collateral for the loan, it's not an eligible source of down payment or closing costs. So, for example, credit cards are not an option for down payment, and frankly, they shouldn't be. Unsecured loans, student loans, things like that, you, you can't use that money for down payment. Interested party contributions, again, that's like the seller, the realtor, the lender, stuff like that. They can theoretically give you contributions to help with the down payment, with the closing cost, or pardon me, not the down payment. (laughs) The interested party, they can give you a contribution that helps with your closing costs, but they cannot give you a contribution to cover your down payment. And that's really important there. Uh, And then here's an interesting one. Mattress cash. Yeah. Like actual physical cash that you can hold on to and that you can stuff under your mattress or put in a safe or, I don't know, hide it in the walls of your house because you've been watching a lot of TV, you can't use it. We can't paper trail it. That's the problem right there. I cannot appropriately paper trail physical cash. So if you've got $50,000 in cash or something sitting around your house, holy smokes, get it into a bank account. Uh, And then after it's deposited, you can ultimately use the money, but it's going to need to go into a bank, and it's going to have to sit there for like two or three months. Uh, before it can be used for a down payment and closing costs. You can't just like grab the money out of the safe, walk into the bank, deposit it, and then buy a house two or three weeks later. It's not going to happen. Physical cash, like I said, it can't be properly paper trailed. And we've got to show where the money is coming from. So please take your money, put it in a bank account. It's insured by the federal government. Yeah. Now, since we're also talking about down payment, one little thing that we need to kind of fold in here as we wrap up is closing costs. When you're buying a house, down payment isn't your only upfront expense. There's costs and fees. There's insurance. There's many other items that you need to pay for in order to get into a house. And these closing costs, they're typically going to run somewhere between 2% and 3% of the price of your house. It can fluctuate uh, based on time and based on the cost of the home. Uh, but just make sure that you're factoring in that extra 2 to 3% in your savings plan. If you want me to throw you a generic number, I'm going to say $10,000. That might not be accurate. It could be more or less, but like, if you're just looking for a generic target, start there. Start by saving your down payment plus 10K. Uh, for 90% of people, that's going to be enough. Now, if you're trying to buy a $700,000, dollars $900,000 home, you might want to bump that number up a little bit. That's all I've got for today. So, I hope everyone enjoyed this. I hope you learned something. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And like I said at the at the start there, if you've got input for us, if you've got stuff that you want to hear about, if you've got questions, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we're just so glad that you tuned in and listened today. So with that, we'll wrap it up. I hope you have a good day and I hope that you have a safe journey home.